Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everybody? Darren Slender here, linebacker for the Indianapolis Colts. I was on the Behind the Mask podcast. You know, we talk about mental health, upcoming season, uh, Maniac Foundation. Make sure y'all come out and check it out, man. I think it'll be a good one. You heard the man, Darius Leonard. When the All-Pro talks, make sure you listen. Before we get into the episode, make sure you subscribe to the Behind the Mask podcast. Leave us a comment. Click the bell for notifications so you can see when the episodes drop. You know we drop them every week, every Tuesday. Make sure you tell a friend to tell a friend. Follow us on social media at the BTM podcast. And remember, on the Behind the Mask podcast, there's only one rule. There are no rules. Let's go. Let's go behind the mask. Welcome back to this special edition. I think I'm going to call this the All-Pro, the Pro Bowler, Future Defensive Player of the Year edition of the Behind the Mask podcast. I am your host, Takeo Spikes. And let me bring in to the plus-size model. Where you at, boy? What's good, fam? It's your favorite plus-size model, Tuton Reyes in the building, Spike Dogs. How you feeling today, man? Hey, man, outstanding. It's not too many times now we have uh, a lot of guys that have some of the same things in common when it comes to the resume. We're talking about all pro. We're talking about pro yes. bowlers. Yes. And, and Should we get right and, into and it? Jump into it, man. Without further ado, Spice, take it away, baby. Man, I want everybody to welcome the homie, Darius Lennon, all pro, pro bowler, anybody <laughs> get paid. What's good, man? What's good? Man? What's good? <laughs> I'm good, man. I'm good. Hey, man, we appreciate you taking time to come on the show, bro. Thanks for having me, man. You know, it's not not too many times you get up here, you know, talk football with linebackers, man. So I'm definitely looking forward to it. Yeah, and, and we'll excuse, too, you know, <laughs> even though he played on the offensive line, bro. Hey, man. He had some quality <laughs> traits. That made me feel like, you know what? We can bring him in and you know, love on him a little bit. Hey, for what it's worth, I used to hang with the linebackers all the time. You know what I mean? So I rocks with y'all, you know, the long way pause. But, yo, it's all right. I'm going to let y'all live. I'm going to let y'all live. <laughs> no, all good, bro. But, hey, man, just looking at your journey, man, I've always admired, you know, not just, you know, myself or just other guys' game, but just looking at the journey of where you come from. You were a prospect out of Lakeview High School in South Carolina with no stars. Now that led to a second round draft pick out of South Carolina State. Ended up leading the league in tackles, first team all pro, defensive rookie of the year, pro bowler. Man, just talk about that journey, bro, because I feel like it's it's so inspiring. Oh, man, the journey, man, is just, you know, when you go to a small high school, man, everybody's counting you out. You know, I mean, I had my stats. I mean, I was getting probably – a thousand yards, close to a thousand yards rushing, receiving, plus the hundred and fifty tackles. Um, and you know, I was still getting overlooked just because of where I went. And then, you know, I mean, I was was I wasn't heavily recruited, so you know, I was just looking for an opportunity. And you know, South Carolina State said, you know what, come play both sides of the ball. I went to South Carolina State, man. Everybody said, oh, you you're not big enough to play linebacker. I went in that that um that spring. And, you know, I started out on the defense side of the ball, started making plays. He said, you know what, you're not playing offense anymore. So, you know, I started, that's when I started playing linebacker. And I was a buck 85, buck 90 playing linebacker in college. And my mindset was, you know, I wanted to prove everybody wrong. Because, I mean, once I came out of high school, they said you wasn't good enough. 
So then when I as I was playing, they were saying, man, you you're not good enough to play at a collegiate level at, at linebacker. So I mean that was my mindset. I said, okay, I'm about to prove you guys wrong. And that's what that's what I did. And you know, I just came in, had my head down, and I was just grinding. I mean, that's my mindset. I gotta outwork the person beside me. If I can outwork them and I my athleticism and my smartness and you know, my striking ability on the field, I mean, that's just gonna, you know, take presence of everything else. And I just, you know, I thank God each day that, you know, I was I was blessed to go to South Carolina State, given that opportunity and just going out and just balling with the guys. And you represent that HBCU prize so well, South Carolina State. And you just mentioned getting overlooked. This year, a lot was made about no players getting drafted in the uh, 2021 NFL draft. So why do you think that when it comes to the HBCU level, so much of the talent is overlooked? Man, that's easy. Scouts are lazy. Everybody want a big, everybody want a big time name. Everybody want guys with, right. you know, the publicity behind them, you know. So when whenever they do get drafted, it's like, okay, everybody knows them. Nobody want that, nobody want that diamond in the rough. Nobody want to take a chance and say, okay, let's go get this F, uh, FCS guy. And, you know, he's going to be the next big thing. Because when you do, just like the coach, what happened when they did? They drafted me in the second round, 36th pick, and the next thing they said I was the worst draft pick. Not because of what I've done on the field or off the field, just because of where I went. And if I was a prime example of being that worst draft pick, you know, there's so many other teams now that are saying, okay, I don't want that on my shoulders. Because if they come in and they be a bust, you know, now they say, okay, we shouldn't have done it. And I don't think, I don't think you know, a lot of teams are really doing their homework on HBCU guys. Because when you come into the league, the HBCU guys that come in, we're ballers. And, then, you know, me, South Carolina State, the best HBCU there is, <laughs> and you know, I listen. I listen. We play Clemson, South Carolina, SEC. Mm-hmm. I mean, SEC and the ACC national champion. Thing too. And all, all I'm saying is, we got four. We got four NFL Hall of Famers. South Carolina got zero, and I think Clemson just got one with Brian Dawkins. We got <laughs> dogs in the HBCUs. We just need scouts stop being lazy, stop being scared, because we got some ballers, man. Bro, that's a call to action right there, bro. And um, like for real, because we, I've always said that. It's like, dog, you just don't stop not having good players at HBCUs. Right. You just decide to wait for that publication to come out, and then you jump on the bandwagon and let that inspire you. But talking about being inspired, your brother, he, he also played in the NFL, made it. How was that? Uh, a motivational deal or even inspirational from you being younger, being able to see him and how did that influence you? Oh uh, man, when it, when it came to my brother, man, um, you know, I came from, uh, my mom had nine kids and, you know, I was the eight out of nine and my oldest two brothers was incarcerated. So, you know, that's what I, that's what I've seen. You know, I've seen the family, you know, taking all them hits from, you know, the two brothers incarcerated, you know, and then when my brother got, when, when he went to Clemson, that was so much love to the family for that, you know, coming from a small town, not too many people make it out of Lakeview, South Carolina to be a football player. And then for him to make it to the NFL, and I saw I saw the joy that it brought to my mom. You know, and you know, I, I had a I had a brother who who was um a year older than me at the time. And you know, we was going back and forth. You know, he was a basketball player, he and I was a football player. We both had the dream of making it to I might want to make it to the NFL, he wanted to make it to the NBA. And then when he got killed back in 2015, you know, that, that, that hit me, you know, that hit me deep. And, you know, when I saw the joy 
that my brother getting drafted brought to the family, I knew that I wanted to change my family life. You know, I wanted to make sure that my family stayed out of harm's way. And I just wanted to make my family proud. And for me to have a brother who's did it, done it, and showing me the way, I think that what really made me who I am because he taught me how to work. You know, he he was he 10 years older than me. He taught me how to wake up at five o'clock in the morning. He taught me to say, okay, don't let nobody hand you nothing. If somebody, if you want some money, don't let nobody give you no money. Tell me you want to work for your money because you don't want nobody hanging nothing over your head. And that's just been that mentality watching him grow up. You know, I see how he come back, he's giving back. And I saw how hard that he worked day in and day out. And I know that if I could have at least half of the heart that he had, I can be a dog because when I say he was one of the most dangerous guys that I've seen play, and I just wanted to make him smile because it was it's weird now that I'm in the NFL and he's cheering for me. You know, I would cheer for him and just to make sure that, you know, I keep a smile on his face and making sure that he's proud of me. That's something that, you know, it really dear to my heart. And that's why I really go so hard day in and day out. And you talk about having that dog mentality in you, man. That, that 2018 draft class, y'all was stacked at the linebacker position, bro. And um, I think of some of the players that went before you. And I'll read off some of the names here. We got Roquan Smith, Tremaine Edmonds, who was on the Behind the Mask podcast, Leighton Vander Esch, Rashad Evans. And then after you, Fred Warner, who was also on the podcast, man. So y'all linebacker class was totally stacked. But is there a competition between y'all? Because y'all all are doing y'all thing. And what sets you apart from the rest of those guys? Is there a competition? Everything I do, I compete in. I mean, no matter if you're on my team, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a competitor. Yeah. If you, like, my coaches know that. I can, I can remember the first time my coach came up to me. I was playing against um, Buffalo. And he walked up to me right before the game because he, he knows me. He knows what gets me going. He walked up to me and said, hey, he said, hey, D, you know, they drafted that linebacker ahead of you. And, you know, they, they say he's better than you. Man, I ended up with, I think I had like 15 tackles, uh, interceptions, yeah. stuff like that. And I'm always trying to compete because if you if you got drafted before me, that means you, you, they think that you're better than me. And I wanted to prove to absolutely everybody out there that I'm, I'm one of the best out there and I'm, I'm the better athlete. And I think what, 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 stands, what, what I stand apart at is the way I play the game. Every linebacker don't play the game going sideline to sideline, full speed, or playing every play 110 miles per hour. See, anybody can make a tackle. If you look at an interception, no, no offense to offensive linemen, you look at interception, anybody can get somebody on the ground, but who can be your playmaker? Check the numbers. When the game, when the game on the line, who, who's making a play? When you need to get off the field, who's making a play? And if you look at the stats, I think I'm at the top of the list when the time to come out and in clutch moments to get a, get a takeaway or sack or something. Like I said, you got to make game-changing plays, not just tackles. And you got to make 30-down stops. You got to have forced fumbles, recover fumbles, interceptions. That's what makes you a great linebacker, not just tackles. And I think my number speaks for themselves. Oh, no question, bro. They do speak for themselves. And I say it all the time. Anybody can make a tackle, but not everybody can have that game-changing play when it comes to picks, turnovers, being able to create momentum turnovers, when it comes to sacks. Now you brought up Fred Warner. He was on the podcast earlier. He he's up for early renegotiation to be extended by the 49ers. Now, you're pretty astute. 
You called out all of the numbers. I do know he was just elected to his first Pro Bowl this past year. You, on the other hand, consistent Pro Bowler, all pro, defensive rookie of the year. Hey, man, when you compete, the bag is at the end of the rainbow, bro. So, like, what's the thoughts, man? Like, like, what's happening? Man, when it, when it comes to, when it come to that, man, like you said, I've been, you know, all pro all three years. Two times, first team, one time, second team. I've been to the Pro Bowl twice. Um, defense rookie of the year. I mean, I'm checking, I'm checking every box that I'm supposed to. And for an NFL player, your job is to get to your second contract to make sure not just you, but your family is good. And like you said, Fred Warner is up this year too. And he had a great year last year. But like you said, the numbers speak for themselves. So I hope, I mean, I, I, this is just me thinking. I mean, I hope he go in, set the bar high. And then I hope I come in and swoop right behind him. I mean, that's I mean that's just my mindset. Cause like you say, I'm a competitor. I want to compete in everything I do. And if that got to come down to the money situation or whatever, I'm a competitor. And it and it's crazy that you know when you talk about contract, this this what makes you makes you mad at times because it's okay for a quarterback to you know talk about money, but and a linebacker or another any other skilled guy. You know, it's, it's, it's frowned upon. And it, it sucks because you put in the same amount of work. You do the same thing as a quarterback. Yes. And, and, and in my eyes, my job <clears throat> is harder than a quarterback. A quarterback is seeing the pocket and he's protected. He knows what he knows to play. Me as a defensive guy, I got to react. I got to go in and try to stop what you're doing. And my body, my body's at home every, every single play. So I don't, I don't think that when it comes down to talking about money, I don't think the quarterback should be the only one who get paid the big bucks when the quarterback of the defense really putting in that work, putting their body through harm's way on every single play. And that's the way I look at it. I have a family to feed. I got kids. And you know, my mom, like I said, my mom had nine kids. We got a big family. I can't sit here. I came from the gutter. I can't sit here and try to make sure these people have, I got to make sure I'm good and my family good before anything. Facts. Right. Hey, bro, and you know, with that being said, like everybody look at the game as a business. And when we in competition mode or compete mode, like you really don't care. But like one of the things that stood out to me, your former teammate linebacker, Anthony Walker, you gave him a personal farewell tribute when he signed with the Browns. Man, go behind the mask and tell us, bro, like why did you decide to show him that appreciation. Man, for one, because, man, not just because of a teammate. You know, that was a brother. You know, we played we played amongst each other for three years. And when I say he helped me every step of the way to make my job easier, I mean, he helped me every step of the way. Then in the locker room, you know, he's that great leader that every locker room needs. And you see the, man, all the other teams, you know, trying to put a leader on their team. He is the leader that I think that was, he was the glue that kept everything together. You know, like when coaches put new things in, he was the first one to send out a text message. All right, boom, this is what I see. This is how it should be run. And then when you go in, he's like, after each game, he's the first person to watch the film on the opposing team. And he's dropping his notes in the chat. Like he was just that middle linebacker that, that every team needs. Like he's that leader, that brother. And for, for us to lose him, man, I, I, I think we – we lost, a, we lost a great one, and, you know, I just thank him for, you know, absolutely everything he's done for me and my game. And, you know, 
he's a he's a, he's a he's my boy. So I I had to let him know that I I appreciate it. Not just behind the scenes. Now I was gonna let the world know of what type of leader he was and what type of what type of guy he is and what type of player Cleveland was getting. That's dope, man. And, and like Spike says, you don't really hear those tributes often from player to player. So salute, showing him the love, giving him his roses, giving him his roses while he's still here. We always talk about that. Um, we're gonna transition real quick into something that we call this or that, right? We're gonna give you two options, and then you got to tell us what you think. So talking about giving people they love their roses, when it comes back to the linebacker position, we got this or that: Ray Lewis or Patrick Willis. And what and what aspect of the game back then or now? I would say I would say the way the game's played now. Um, you know, just just thinking about that answer and seeing how smart Ray Lewis is. And knowing, like, just watching him, how he's calling out every single thing, you need that smartness to play the game. So I'm going I'm to I'm have to go with Ray just because how, how smart he is and how instinct that, that, that he plays the game of knowing what the opposing team's doing. Because when you watch him against guys like uh, Peyton Manning, it was like a chess match. He audible, he audible. And that's what you're going to need in, this, in today's game. For sure, for sure. Uh, I know you into the old schools. I got an old school myself. I have a 1970 Cadillac DeVille, but you have a, uh, you have a lot. You have way more than me, man. <laughs> but check this out. 19, your 1972 Monte Carlo or your 1975 Caprice? Ooh. Oh, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to go with my 72 Monte just because of the body style. I got, it looked more muscle and then, you know, the way it runs, everything original. So I'm, I'm going to have to go with that 72, man. What, what color is it? All black everything, baby. Come on now. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Last one, real quick, real quick. You linebacker edition again. Spice always gets the linebackers on the show. So who are the best athletes on the field? Offensive linemen or linebackers? Man, come on, man. I can't believe that's even a question, man. Linebackers hey, we all don't... day. Listen, think, of, think about what linebackers are doing now. Linebackers are covering tight ends. They're going sideline to sideline, playing in the slot. Then on third down, they're going out there. They're rushing off the edge. They're doing everything that they need to do. They can play any position. And then especially sometimes in our defense, you know, they got us sometimes playing corner, you know, playing in the middle of the field. You know, we can, we can do it all. I don't think an offensive lineman can do that. Come on, man. There ain't no question. All right, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I know Spice go chime in too, but think about this. If y'all are the best athletes on the field, who has to block the linebackers? That's why y'all can never defensive block Defensive linemen, sometimes cornerbacks on the blitz and know the same uh, calls, plays, everything that's going on as the quarterback. The offensive lineman, man, there's no possible, and we don't come out. Man, listen, listen, I'm going to tell you something about offensive linemen, man. All they, 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 <laughs> get they, it, they, they can, get they can easily be fooled. All they got to do is fake this way, pop, go back door on them, man. You got to make wow. sure they're, they're not... For one, their hips. A lot of times, their hips, you know, they're, they're not that, you know, that, you know they, can't, they don't got that salsa in them. So they can't really be freaky <laughs> like that, you know what I mean? So they can't they can't move, they can't move like we move. That's why they play offense. Oh, they man. they know who to block. You know what I'm saying? They know what's coming. We as we oh, as man. linebackers, we're taking a guess. They're trying to beat us to a spot. Now we gotta go out and use technique and do everything to get around the offensive line. Come on, man. Come on, man. You know better than that, man. <laughs> okay. I can't win I this back, bro. I can't believe I can't time. believe that, man. Hey, man. Y'all know we represent, man. I got young hips. Pause for everybody out there. So go ahead, man. Go ahead, Spice. <laughs> hey, bro. 
like it ain't by accident. It's it's very obvious. Like you've taken the lead by storm by everything what you've done, all of the accolades that you receive and the respect from the peers utmost. What else should we expect for Darius Leonard to accomplish with these next years coming up? Oh man, just getting better, man. Just I, I feel like, you know, in the offseason, I don't I don't watch my good plays. I watch every bad play that I have and try to try to get better. And, you know, I think what makes me different, you know, from a lot of people is I respect the game. I, I don't take I don't take plays off. I don't try to take days off. I'll go in and I give 110% no matter when it is. From first quarter to the last whistle, I'm going to give absolutely everything I got. And I'm going to respect the game. I'm going to play it the right way. And I'm going to go out and try to make a play on every single play. And as long as I can continue to get better and learn the game as much as I possibly can, I can just see myself going going up. But as soon as I get complacent, as soon as I feel like I did something, I think that's when I'm going to go downhill. So I just, I just feel like I haven't done anything yet. I got a lot of room for improvement. So I can just pray that I can continue to get better, stay healthy, and help this team win a championship and be the number one defense in the league. Bro, you, you're very unselfish when it comes to uh, not, well, when it comes to accolades. Like, you, you're going to give credit to where credit is due. And so uh, I think a total makeup, and when I see guys like that, it starts in the community, in the foundation. What led you to start the Maniac Foundation, and where can our audience support you? Oh, uh, man, you know, I started, what well, made me want to start the Maniac Foundation because, like I said, I came, I came from a struggle. And I know what it's like not to have anything. And, you know, I'm, I go back to my, my hood, my city, day in and day out to give back as much as I can because I go back to sit in those same – I sat in those same seats them kids are sitting in now. I've been, you know, walking up those same streets. So I know, I know what it's like. And if people can see me give back and have a, a way out, I feel like that, you know, they're going to give them that extra drive. Because it's the only thing, this is what people need. These kids need guidance today. You know, everybody else want to, you know, this the way the music they listen to is going to tell them the drug life, the street life, and stuff like that. So I, I felt like I was the right person to show that, okay, this is what you can do. This is the only thing you need. That's more than life than the street life. You don't have to be a football player. You don't have to be a, a college graduate. There's so many ways that you can make money and do it the right way. And for me to give back, that's just showing me, that's showing them that I haven't forget where I came from. My baseball coach always told me that. Never forget where you came from. And that's my mindset. I live as I climb. And you never know who's going to be the next Darius Leonard. You never know who's going to be the next president. So if I can go there and just be, be that positive role model and give back as much as I possibly can, you never know who it's going to touch, man. And then, you know, the way people can help, man, is, you know, go to the Maniac Cares, uh, on Instagram or the maniacfoundation.org, you know, you can donate or whenever I'm giving, uh, whenever I'm doing events in the community, you know, don't be afraid to reach out to come out, man, and uh, just support the youth because that's what we need in today's world is people come out and give back and support the youth and let them know that there's, there's help. You know, a lot of people now because of social media, you know, that social media world is showing that, you know, everybody got to be amazing. Everybody got to be great, which is not true. Everybody fails. It's okay to fail. I'm afraid of failure, you know, and it's okay to fall down, but you cannot judge somebody on them falling down. Judge them about what do they do when they get back up. 
And that's that's where we need more people to lift others up. And if I can do that and I can get people to just make this world a better place, that's when the world and everything, the people are going to be in the right direction. But until then, man, we got a lot of work to do. Man, bro, I'm going to tell you, for your your maturity and, and, and your leadership, it just speaks to your upbringing, the man that you are. Um, can't say enough about it just from this interview alone, but I know we, we saw a tweet that you posted with a caption that said, it's okay to not be okay. And with May being uh, Mental Health Awareness Month, what made you, you know, step out on a limb and, and address mental health awareness when that's a, a subject that's kind of taboo when it comes to athletes and NFL players? Ah, uh, man, it was it was a struggle, man. I lost my brother in 2000 and, um, 2012. Man, I was 17 years old. He was 18. So you can imagine how close we were. And, you know, when, when, once I lost him, man, everything went downhill for me. I was, you know, I was losing weight. I wasn't, I wasn't eating. I wasn't sleeping. I was having anxiety attacks left and right, man, in and out of the hospital. And um, in 2015, um, in 2015, I collapsed one day and I went to the hospital, had an EKG done. I had to wear a heart monitor for 30 days. And then I ended up having an ablation done on my heart. One of my heart valves was bad. And, you know, right then, that's when that's when it clicked for me. It was like, hey, man, you're going to have to figure this thing out. You're going to have to, or if not, you're going to fall in that same trap and make your mom upset. We already lost one brother. We do not have to lose another one just because of stress and you know, depression. And right then, I knew that I had to find a way to talk about my mental health. And, you know, I talked to my, I talked to my wife. I talked to, you know, I went to counseling and doing everything right. And then it brought me back to loving and caring for everybody else. And I felt like if me playing the most dangerous position on the field, one of the tough guys out there playing linebackers, if I can go out and talk about mental health and talk about how, you know, mental health is real, and it is okay that to not be okay. There's so many people who are fighting depression. There's so many people who are fighting anxiety, but they are so afraid to say something because like I said, with social media, you know, people pick on you nowadays and everybody on social media, you know, they, they say whatever and hide behind the camera or behind behind the computer and, and, it, and it sucks. So if I can come out and I say that, you know, I needed help, I got help and I'm not afraid to talk about it. That's when I said, okay, other people are going to do it. And I think for this world, with it being uh, Mental um, Awareness Month, to make this world a better place about mental health, it's going to come down to business owners uh, to come out in the interview process to let them know that, hey, it's okay. If, you, if you're feeling stressed out about this job, do not let this job kill you. You know, if you're feeling any type of way, like in the NFL, that my whole draft process, ain't nobody asked me about my mental they ain't nobody asked me what does the game feel to you like how are you doing and I feel like if once companies or whatever they whatever you're working at they say okay it's okay to talk about your mental health that's when the world world is going to be a better place we need more podcasts we need more panels to talk about it and then as well I promise you man this world gonna be this world gonna be a whole lot better if we really can normalize talking about mental health bro I personally appreciate the stance that you take on it. I appreciate the candor. I also appreciate, um, it's not easy being in the position. You're definitely one of the top 10 players in the league, definitely top at your position player in the league. And so when you see guys like that, a lot of them are very hesitant 
and have a lot of reservation about coming out speaking the truth so much respect to you on that you've always been very opinionated but now you, you're definitely speaking facts one of the things before we let you get up out of here gotta ask man there's a lot of drama going on in the afc south bro we know what's going on down with the techs and new coaching staff they don't know if deshaun's gonna play you look at um jacksonville tim tebow he signed freshly signed so like the only consistent carryover is tennessee and you guys but when you look at jacksonville and you look at the tim tebow signing what your initial thoughts why on? why i mean he played he played quarterback you know it is what was the last game what six or seven years ago and there's yeah, but it is, it is tough because there's so many guys that played tight end and actually do this or trying to get an opportunity to play this game. And it, it sucks to allow someone who haven't played a position come in and take an opportunity away from the other kids who's been working for their whole life to get an opportunity. And, you know, it, I, I, me personally, I, I, I'm glad that, you know, for, for me as a linebacker, I mean, I'm glad he signed. I mean, for Jacksonville Jaguars, you know, you know, and but I just feel like it's a slap in the face because I, me personally, I don't think he's the most athletic guy out there. And I don't think he's the, you know, the greatest thing for a tight end to be in that situation. And for that organization that came off one win, you want to, you want ball players. You don't want guys to go in there just to say, okay, I'm here to be a leader. No, if that's the case, just like we got, we got Brian Decker, who's someone there talk about leadership. Add another role to your coaching staff if that's what you want. If you want change in there, okay, cool. Add them, add them to the coaching staff. But do not take away from all these guys who's putting in the work day in and day out to play tight end to a guy who never played tight end a day in their life. That's a slap in those kids' face, man. I, I, I be personally, I think it's disrespectful. Because that's like that's like somebody coming on a uh, a D lineman coming never played linebacker day in his life, but he gonna take my he's gonna take my job, and I've been working my whole life at his position. I, I don't think it's a smart decision, but you know I'm not a GM, I'm not a coach, but as a as a player in a locker room, you know you look at that, you say okay wait a minute, he never played this before, you know he is he in here because of his name, is he really gonna help us win ball games? Like those are things you think about if you if you really play this game to be a championship contender, those are what you look at. You look at your whole roster. Okay, when guys are brought in, you look, can he help us win? That's the mindset. And if he cannot help you win, I, I don't I don't think I don't think it's good, man. I think I, I I don't like it. Me personally, I don't like it. But like I said, I'm not I'm not a GM, I'm not a coach. And thank God that he's he's not on he's not on the um he's not on the coach. Well I could I could tell you this. I know you licking your chops especially if he's at tight end because I think already coming in, that's a drop off instantly. Um, now on the, I get just to give a different perspective. I think it goes to show you it's the good old boy network, meaning they going to look of out course. for each other. And that's exactly what they're supposed to do. Right. I, I, that's what we're supposed to do. And I will say this. I think it puts more of a calling. If I was a player, I would feel the same way that you do. But since I'm not playing anymore, I look at it as we have to learn how to navigate and be able to take care of each other. If you see somebody else 
a, a person of color, you get an opportunity, you know how hard it was to get an opportunity. Now you reach up and bring somebody else. That's relationships. That's exactly what they're doing in Jacksonville. But I feel you, bro, just to put a little perspective on it, man. Appreciate the time that you gave us, my dog. Thank you, man. And you have a great season, my boy. Hey, man, I appreciate it, man. I'm just ready whenever you need me to come back up here, man. Just let me know, man. Definitely enjoyed it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right on. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.